You're listening to the Hope City Community Church Podcast. We pray the message will encourage, inspire, and challenge you to experience the real Jesus. Thanks for listening. Now, let's tune in. Today, I'm going to start a new series. Uh, It's called The Light of the World. It's going to be our Christmas series. And today, I'm not going to preach very long to you. Uh, I know tryptophan will kick in again here in just a little while. That's in Turkey. And you will go unconscious on me. So I will not go long. I want you home and in your recliners before that happens. Uh, so I'm going to be a bit brief today. But I basically want to set up the sermon series for you. Uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the power and the purpose of light. That Jesus is the light of the world. And we see this in John chapter 8, verse 12. John chapter 8, verse 12. And I'm going to read this. Uh, Jesus had just got through. Uh, doing uh, some incredible miracles. And it says this in verse 12, in John chapter eight, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but they'll have the light of life. The light of life. How many know the world is a dark place these days? If you don't believe that, you have not watched the news. Uh, Whether it be mass shootings, whether it be the economy, whether it be the price of groceries. I mean, it's, if you turn the news on, it is a constant state of negativity. And see, I just believe that we as believers should live differently than that. I believe that you and I are called to live according to the word of God, not the word of the world. And when you live according to the word of God, you have the ability to withstand the negativity and the darkness of the world. Why? Because there's a light that we are promised even in the darkest of times and his name is Jesus. We have hope. No matter what the world goes through, you and I have hope. Isn't that exciting today? That no matter what kind of chaos ensues, no matter what the economy's doing, no matter who's in office and who wins this election or that election, can I tell you God is still on the throne and he's not afraid. And if he's not afraid, we're not supposed to be afraid. We are called to live a life of faith. And this all starts with Jesus being the light in the darkness, the light in the darkness. John chapter one gives us some more insight into this. John chapter one, verse one through five, it says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life. Watch this. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness does not comprehend it. Now, that verse says a lot, but the main thing I want to point out to you is this, that darkness does not understand light. Darkness does not understand light. You can live in pure darkness and never understand the light of Jesus Christ. We, for the first time in America, are a mission field that we're reaching Americans that have never been in church. Did you know that? Now think about this. In the 40s and the 50s, there was a great revival that carried us into the 70s. Since the 70s, there's been two generations that now the grandparents are passing away and the grandchildren that are coming up at nearly college age have never been in church. And you and I get the ability 
to give them the light. Now, here's where we have to be careful. Have you ever been in a dark room and somebody just flips the light on? It's It's kind of abrupt. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been outside? Maybe you're out camping or maybe you're doing out something and somebody shines a flashlight in your face. Can I tell you, that's not a comforting feeling. It's abrupt. It's obnoxious. Can I tell you how we share the gospel matters? How you give the light to people in darkness matters. If you just are abrupt and you throw it in their face, can I tell you that's not effective? But if you reveal it to them gently, if you show them that he's a loving God, more than that, let them approach the light in you so they can do it at their own speed. What does that look like? The scripture says that we should be like a city that's set on a hill, that they can see the light and make the decision whether they should approach or not. We're supposed to live in such a way that they desire something that we have. That's how we're supposed to share the light of Jesus Christ. So over the next few weeks, I'll be talking about the light and the power and the purpose of the light. Um, While I was writing, I was reminded when I was in Africa earlier this year, uh, we went to this uh, facility. It's not really a resort. Uh, Resorts generally have electricity. This place ran off of solar power And then they had basically like four car batteries that would charge up during the day. And once that battery went dead, that's it. You're out of electricity. And so they knew generally based on the sunshine of the day, how long the batteries would last and if they could handle two dinner services or just one. And so uh, we were lucky. We were there during the time of the year that it was cooler outside, but they still had a lot of sunshine. Uh, And we got to go and see the place lit up at night. And it was very cool. And uh, I think Jen's in here somewhere. Jen, are you here? There she is, Jen. Jen was there with me in Africa. And uh, it's Halani, but they say it with an S, Halani. We butchered it. Yeah, it's something horrible that our, my chubby American tongue couldn't handle. But it was spelled H-L-A-N-E. If you ever get a chance to go, it's amazing. Uh, but there's a safari that takes place there. So you finish dinner at night, you go back, and there's only gas lit lanterns to take you back to your hut and you get back there and there's no electricity there's no internet there's no can you imagine the terror the horror carl i generally go to sleep watching tractor videos on youtube oh no what am i supposed to do carl Got to muscle through the things we go through for Christ. (laughs) I say that in jest, but let me tell you something. It was a a rude awakening. For a guy likes air conditioning, it was a rude awakening. Thank God it was still cool outside. So we get there, we eat dinner. I walk back to the place we're sleeping, and I realize just how dark it is. And when I tell you it's dark, it's dark, dark. Like it's, can't see your hand in front of your face dark. And you just left a place with light. And have you ever noticed that when you step out of light and into darkness, it's really dark. So I left a place that had a little bit of light into 
these paths that just had a little kerosene lamp every maybe 30 or 40 yards. You couldn't really see much. And so I finally make it back to the place I'm supposed to sleep. And again, no internet, no electricity, very little running water. And I get tucked into bed uh, and I'm just foolishly messing with my iPad. And I remember that I downloaded an episode of, uh, what's the car show I watch all the time? Uh, Either way, it was this car show where they rebuild cars and stuff. And I downloaded it to my iPad. So I'm there with no internet and no electricity, and I'm watching a video on my iPad. Well, the people that were in the room with me hear the video, and they say, do you have internet in there? (laughs) They were photographers. And I said, yeah, but I'm not going to share it. (laughs) They were like, why would you do that to us? I was like, I don't know. Maybe you should pay me. I'll give you the, the key or something. Finally, they realized I was watching downloaded content and we were back to where we started. But you were instantly in a position to where you understood the value of what you recently had. But if you were raised in that, you wouldn't understand what you were missing. So check this out. Jen had booked us a sunrise safari, which incredible. I'd love to show you the picture sometime. We're going to try to get Jen and Jerry to come up. And, uh, they're our, our main international outreach, by the way. Wonderful orphan air. We're going to bless their socks off early, early next year. We're going to get them up here and share their vision, everything with you, introduce that whole thing to you. But one of the things that she did was is she booked us this sunrise safari, and my watch was on the wrong time. We were supposed to get there at like 5.15 in the morning, me wanting to get there a little early, get the best seat on the truck for the safari, I thought, I'm going to get there at 4.45. My watch was an hour off. So your boy gets up at 3 o'clock in the morning and has to walk back through. Now, here's the problem. They've already blown the lanterns out. So now, chubby country boy looks like a dadgum buffet to about a third of the species in Africa is out walking around with my flashlight on, which by the way, they warn you when you get to this place, do not walk around past dock outside. Stay on the path. They tell you this stuff, man. They don't tell you before you get on the airplane. It's after you land, they tell you this stuff. So now I'm going to go from the place where I slept back over to get on the truck, which is probably three to 400 yards, not that big of a walk, without lights. And you don't realize how ineffective a flashlight can be. The darkness just swallows the light. So I have my flashlight, man, I bought a big, just expensive, bright flashlight. Something, if it's between me and a hippopotamus and crocodile, I want as much time to run as I can get. So I got this bright flashlight, I'm walking along, and all of a sudden, just to my right, I hear, <laughs> and all I remember is, you remember, any of y'all ever play sports, you do the high steps, <laughs> I took off running about 15 yards, just boom, I was gone, and I stopped breathing hard, you know, you, when you're my age, 15 yards, that's about all you got, I turn around, I shine my light, 
and there was a giant kudu bedded down about four feet by where I walked. These are like white-tailed deer, but they stare you face to face. They're massive animals. And I'm all breathing hard. I'm like, woo, you know, my adrenaline's up. I'm hyped up. It's still pitch dark. And so I'm making my way over and I'm, I'm, my adrenaline's still up and I get over and I run into the tour driver. His name's Maxwell. And I said, Maxwell, I said, man, I just uh, had an experience. He said, tell me about it. I said, I was coming from where I was sleeping and I was coming here and I passed a kudu that was bedded down in the grass and it grunted and it scared me to death. And he goes, uh, you were surrounded by kudu. I said, what? He said, yes, you, there were 30 or 40 around you. You were surrounded. I said, how do you know? He said, I watched you the whole time. <laughs> he said, you are much faster than you look. <laughs> Again, tell somebody. So here's what happens. I said, what do you mean I'm surrounded? He goes, don't you see them? I said, I don't see anything. He goes, turn off your light. I turn off the light. Still can't see a thing. He goes, give it a few minutes. Your eyes will adjust. So we get to talking and everything. And again, I'm there earlier than anybody else. I mean, they're just like getting everything together for the ride and everything. Got there way too early. But I'm learning a lot. He's telling me about, you know, the death rates of certain animals. Good stuff to hear in the dark. Well, finally, he says, by now your eyes have adjusted. Turn and look. And I turned, and there was a field full of not just kudu, but springbok and scimitar. And I mean, these beautiful, beautiful animals. And I was completely surrounded, and only one of them did I get close enough to startle it, and it startled me, so I ran the rest of the way. But here's what God taught me in that very moment. He said, people who are in the dark They've been in the dark so long that their eyes have adjusted and they don't even realize they lack light. And I'm sitting there and the Lord was ministering that whole trip. Jenny, God just, there was something special. We were there, just the Lord was speaking. And he told me, the Holy Spirit told me, he said, be careful how you give those people light. Don't just be crass with the way you throw it at them. Be gentle with the truth of God's word. Don't abuse people with the book. That is a book of peace and love. I was raised to think it was all judgment. But can I tell you, while God is just, he is benevolent. While he is just, he has created a path of grace for each one of us to walk. And so it dawns on me that this whole time, Maxwell has had an experience without light for so many years that his eyes have adjusted. Can I tell you, you and I, as the church of 2022, about to be the church of 2023, are dealing with people who have never been in contact with light. They don't realize that they're blind. 
The Bible says this. It says, in the last days, darkness, yea, gross darkness shall cover the face of the earth. It says that they will lack natural affection. They will call what is good evil and what is evil good. Have you experienced this? Have you watched TV and said, how on earth could they think that? How on earth? They've never had the light. Their vision is completely skewered based on darkness. And so when you and I come to the table with the light, it's shocking and it can be abrupt. And so you and I, our job in this new world, make no mistake, this is not your grandfather's mission field. We cannot come abruptly. We have to come gently and with love and letting our actions speak more than our words. Don't be just hearers of the word. Let's be doers of the word. That's why I love the capability about this outreach that we have going on right now. It's not just enough that we sit here and we talk about blessings and we talk about God doing this and God doing that. He can use us to be a blessing to somebody today. My goal is that in the next few years for every Sunday for you to come, there's an opportunity to be a blessing to somebody. I want our outreach to be the most prolific of any church that's ever been around. Why? Because I love that we're in a giving contest with God. Did you know that? The Bible says that he who refreshes others will he himself be refreshed. I know what refresh feels like. You realize I probably spent 24 hours on the couch in the last week. I haven't rested like I rested this week in years. I am refreshed. And what the scripture says is if I make my focus being restoration to other people that God will make his business restoring me. So that's why I say Hope City has got to be about being a blessing to other people. If we're always worried about others, that means God will take on the concern for us. How many of you will have that in your life? So here's where we're at. A dark world. People who see but they don't really see. Their vision has been adjusted to their expectations of the darkness that surrounds them. And here we are, true carriers of the light. You and I have a very big decision to make. And it's how are we going to approach those that are lost in the darkness? Are we going to be abrupt with a bullhorn on the side of the highway you're dying and going to hell. Completely ineffective. People say, well, that's how my grandfather got saved. Again, this is not your grandfather's mission field. If you would have done that 30, 40 years ago, it might have been effective. But when you do it today, they've never seen the light. And they look at you like you're crazy. And they call you evil and a hate monger and a bigot because they've never seen that kind of energy. <gasps> Going to hell. 
Who made you the judge of me? As opposed to this. Wait till they're in need. Watch this. Oh, this is a good one. Watch this. Wait till they're in need. And then come alongside. Carl, stand up. Stand up. This is the way we used to win souls. You need Jesus. You want Jesus? Congratulations. Done. Up until the late 70s and early 80s, you could win people to Christ like that. Come here, Carl. I'm not done. Now watch this. Watch this. This is how we win souls. Now, if you really want to be effective, here's how you win souls. Hey, Carl, I'm Josh. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Anything I can do for you? Okay. Well, listen, if you ever need anything, man, let me know. Man, it's really nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. And bless you, Carl. Bless you. Appreciate you, brother. And then guess what happens? The next time I see Carl, Carl, how you doing, man? Well, pretty good. Pretty doing good. good. Doing good? Well, well, Carl, let me ask you something. Since I talked to you last, man, is there anything I can be praying with you about? Um, you see how I've approached this? One is an affront. The other is a partnership. I have pulled him into my light instead of being an abruption to him with my light. How you approach people trapped in darkness means everything. How you approach people who have been blinded by darkness means everything. You did a good job, Carl. <laughs> good job, Carl. Thank you. So over the next two or three weeks, we're going to talk about the power and the purpose of light. The light that you have is the same light that's in Jesus. It's the same light. The scripture says that the same power that raised Christ from the dead resides in you. It's that same light. So now you and I, our only problem is figuring out how to deliver the light. We can't miss. There's too much on the line. We can't make a mistake. We can't be abrupt. This is a new world. It takes a new approach. They do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. You have got to deliver care before you deliver knowledge. I tell people this all the time, but for some reason we find ourselves on Facebook arguing over things theologically unsound anyway. Can I tell you, it's never been successful. Because when they don't know you, they don't know that you care, so you literally are just bashing them. Even if it's the truth, you're wearing them out with the truth and you're driving them further away. You've got to come at this the right way. I'm, 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 I'm gonna wrap up what I'm saying here because I wanna get you out of here at the right time. Um, Ephesians 5.13 says, but all things become visible when they're exposed by the light. All things. People go through life covering pain. Man, they cover church hurt, especially when they find out you're a preacher. They will tell you everything but the source of their problem. They will reveal to you their anger. They'll reveal to you their frustration. But they will never let you to the root of that. 
And our job is to love them well enough they eventually reveal the source of their anger and their hurt. And then we reveal the salve. The Bible calls him the balm of Gilead. The love and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, by the way. We had just moved to Florida, Wendy and I, and uh, we didn't have Nora yet. We had Maddie and Gabe. Uh, Maddie was five, and Gabe had just turned four. And we had lived in a new house that had four bedrooms upstairs. And they were on the furthest one down the hallway. And we were on the opposite end of the house, basically, but upstairs with them. And the way the house was laid out is we couldn't see in their room and they couldn't see in our room. But I could see them once they got into the hallway. And, you know, when you're a parent, you really start listening when things get quiet. That's generally when the damage is taking place. And one night, we were listening to the kids, and they just got real quiet. It's one of those moments, laying in bed, and you hear them, and they're chattering, and they're giggling, and all of a sudden, it gets quiet. And, uh, and I'll never forget, Wendy and I both kind of turned our ear, thinking, well, I wonder if they went to sleep. And all of a sudden, this moment began to unfold. I think I've shared this one other time a few years ago. Gabe was afraid of the dark. And he went to Maddie, his sister who was in the room with him, and he never could pronounce his R's right when he was little. He had the most precious voice. He said, Maddie, I'm scared. She said, here, get in, get, get in bed with me, Bubba. So she pulled her blankets back, and Gabe just piled in the bed with her. And we thought everything would be better now, right? Big sister's there, he's going to be fine. And, uh, and he, he lasted a few minutes that way. Thought he'd actually gone to sleep. But then he said, Maddie, I'm still scared. And she said, okay, Gabe. She said, I'll take you to dad. Now watch this. She got him up, went over to the wall, turned the light switch in her room, and took him out into the hallway. This is when I picked up with my eyes what was going on. She had Gabe by one hand. She was looking for the light switches on the, in the hallway with her other hand going up and down the wall like this. Couldn't see, trying to find the light switch. Five years old, leading a four-year-old, trying to find the light. Gabe said, Maddie, I'm scared. She goes, it's okay. I'm almost to the light. She found the light switching. The whole hallway lit up. And now they really made some good time. Because now they knew how to approach. The light had exposed the path. And so now they're just walking with a little more boldness down the hallway. And then they get to the scariest part. Right next to our room was an opening that went down some steep stairs. And Gabe was always afraid of those stairs. And he locked up right there at the foot of those stairs. And Maddie said, Gabe, you won't fall. I won't let you. We're almost to dead. Keep going. And I remember Gabe just being locked up with fear. And when I were watching this take place, 
And it was, it, with everything in me, I wanted to reach. I wanted to go be that father figure in that moment. The problem was, he said, I also wanted to see how they would carry this moment out. It's a moment where you're cheering for your child to be successful in the way she leads, but you're also fearful because your son is locked up in fear. And so Maddie grabbed his hand and pulled him past the stairs, putting herself between him and the stairs, by the way. And she reached in our room, and I'm seeing this little hand reach for our light switch. She turned the lights on and gave Moran to me. And Maddie said, Gabe, I'm going back to bed. Gabe said, why don't you stay here? And I said, yeah, Maddie, why don't you stay here? Let's just all pile up in this bed tonight. So me, Wendy, Maddie, and Gabe all piled up. And I slept very little that night because God ministered to me through what had happened. You see, what God showed me through a five-year-old is that there are people around us that are scared. They're lost. Sometimes it looks like they're angry. Sometimes it comes out in different ways, vitriolic or however, but the root of it is that there's a fear of the unknown and they don't have the light that you have. They don't have access to it. Gabe couldn't have reached the light if he wanted to. But he knew somebody who had access to the light. And that person led him step by step, moment by moment, hand in hand. And as she would turn on a light, she would check on him and lead him a little bit further and then turn on another light and check on him and lead him a little bit further until the point she made the handoff to her father. I learned how to win souls from a five-year-old little girl. You and I, we know the light. We know the light. Imagine if Maddie would have told her little brother, just go get the light, Gabe. I can't reach the light. Well, that's your problem. I don't know where the lights are. Sorry, your ignorance is not my problem. But instead, she put herself on the line. And she got up. And she began to function in the way every believer should function. You see, each one of you are here because someone gently led you to a light. And his light has a name. It's Jesus. And the way the scripture says this story is very quick, but it's very poignant. It says this, I'm the way, the truth, and the light. No man comes to the Father but through me. What Jesus was saying is there's only one way. There's only one way that we can light this path and get to the Father. I'll never forget Gabe running to my bed. Everything that he lacked at that moment, he found in me. He found his bravery, his safety, his faith. <laughs> and there's a father that's waiting to give us everything he has. But there are people who are lost in darkness 
and they cannot see. Because the darkness has skewed their ability to see. So now you and I, we have the same light in us that's in Christ. And now for them to find God, we are the access to Jesus. We have to introduce them. We have to reveal the loveliness of Christ. And in doing so, we'll make the handoff to our Father. And that is the purpose of Christ. You see, for thousands of years, mankind had been disconnected from the Father. And they had tried different ways. They had tried to make rules, regulations, 613 Hebraic laws. We just were still afraid. We couldn't move. We were locked up in darkness. God said, the darkness is too big. It's too dark. My children cannot find their way back to me. Got to shed some light on the situation. Arise, shine, for thy light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. That light is Jesus. That's why during the holiday season, we talk about the light of Christmas. The star above the manger was an indicator that a light, a new path, a new chart, a new map to God had been written. That now, it wasn't on us to find our own way to God. It wasn't on us to live perfectly according to the Hebraic law. Now there was a path of grace. Now there was a way that there was somebody who would take us by the hand and lead us step by step, illuminating the path as we go. Illuminating it with grace and love, joy, peace, mercy, all the fruit of the Spirit, and eventually making the connection between our Heavenly Father and us. So over the next few weeks, I'm going to talk about how you and I can be effective in the holiday season. You see, holidays are really tough. They're tough. They're tough because we're told in our society, well, you don't talk about religion or politics. But can I tell you, during the Christmas holiday, one of the most powerful things you can do is to love your fellow man in such a way that they see Christ in you. If you're doing it right, you don't have to talk about it. Your actions will speak louder than your mouth ever could. So I pray that we'll be a people that first know where the light is. His name is Jesus. Secondly, that we'll love people enough, we'll grab them by the hand and say, I know you're afraid. But I know who can take care of that fear. And lastly, that we make the handoff, that we do it in such a way that they've seen the loving benevolence of our Father and that they desire it more than they desire anything else in their life. If we do that right, we'll make an eternal impact. Amen? Stand up on your feet. I want to bless you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us the way you do. We thank you, Lord, that somebody turned the switch on for us. Somebody lit the way for us. 
Every one of us who believes in you, we all came to God through you, Jesus. So here's my prayer. Would you give us wisdom? Give us wisdom and understanding that as this next season begins to unfold over the next three to four weeks, that you would give us a supernatural wisdom and understanding as to how to apply the light. That it would not be abrupt, that it would not be off-putting, but that it would be warm and welcomed. That they would see it through the care that we give. That they would see Jesus through our actions, not our words. Father, empower us with opportunities to be a blessing to others this season and to lead them hand in hand and make the handoff to you, to lead them to the one true living God who is truly capable of opening their eyes and exposing to them what they haven't seen because of the darkness of the world. It's not on us to expose their blindness. It's on us to make a connection. So Father, help us to do that. Father, bless us and keep us. Be gracious to us and show us your favor. Make your face shine upon us and give us peace both now and forevermore. Cover us with the blood of Jesus from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. I thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Give us wisdom. Give us wisdom as to how to approach the blind of the world. Father, I pray you would crown our effort with success by revealing your loveliness to the lost and giving us an opportunity to love them. I give you praise for it. Bring us back next week with more of your word and more of your wisdom locked away in our heart. And we'll give you the praise, the glory, and the honor for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. God bless you. We love you. And we'll see you next week. For more information about Hope City Community Church, visit www.hopecitycc.com. Until next time.